Welcome to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. Our purpose is to have fun talking about small business stuff. Along the way, we'll give you knowledge and tools to succeed with your small business, whether you're just starting out or you're established. I'm Jack Mancini, and I'm here with my business partner, Adam Sunholder. Hello, Adam. Hello, Jack. <clears throat> yeah, good small business stuff discussions here and, and Dirty Secrets of Small Business. And we rely on our experience of owning and operating over 20 companies as well as coaching and advising hundreds more. A big part of the, the, the show here is to help those owners, whatever they're going through, whatever opportunity, whatever challenge that, that they're currently facing, to help them understand that somebody else out there has been through it multiple times before. There are answers for all those questions and struggles that are going on out there. And help share some of the success stories here about how to kind of ha- handle those things. Uh, some things may, may, maybe didn't go so well as well to help uh, keep track of that stuff as well for you. But to, again, share a lot of those experiences to help those owners of small companies, which often can be a pretty lonely seat at times. So we have a good show laid out for you here today, and Jack's going to give you a little heads up in terms of what we're going to cover today. Okay, in today's show, we have four segments, and, and those segments are, first one is a common myth of small business ownership. We're going to identify that myth and debunk it. Second one is the dirty secret of the week. The third one is a how-come section. I'm going to, I've been pondering all week over Many, many issues, and I've come up with one, and I'm going to start out the, the segment with how come, the question, how come, and we're going to explore that how come question. And then the last but not least, Adam's going to take one of our small business success stories. We have many, many success stories with our coaching, and he's going to chronicle that, and uh, we'll have a little fun with it along the way. And if anybody uh, uh, decides to call in and give us some some uh, ideas or conversation, you're more than welcomed and strongly encouraged to do so. That's right. As Jack was saying, if you want to share a story of your own or or a myth you want to kind of debunk as well, we're always happy to hear from you. Um, If you're listening on the radio, you can call in here in the studio at 440-946-9468. If you're not listening to us live, listen on the podcast instead, you can always still call in here to the studio. We're here every Monday from noon to one Eastern. So you can call us even if you aren't listening live to be able to share something that, that, that you want to talk about. So that's a good way to get a hold of us. Okay. You know, as I said before, we're business coaches. What does that mean? Well, we, we help owners of small businesses, and we define small as from one to 25 employees. And we help them. We help them get unstuck from a state of how. What the heck is that, you might ask? Well, how questions start most conversations in the small business world. How do I make a profit plan? How do I hire the right people? How do I present my company? Endless. How do I get money from the bank? How do I negotiate with with whoever? Uh, That list is endless. And we're Maximum Value Partners, MVP. And as I say, we're business coaches, and we help owners get unstuck from that state of how. Yeah, as Jack said, when we're not in the studio here for our radio show here of Dirty Secrets of Small Business, we uh, we are business coaches, and you can get a hold of us outside the studio by calling 877-849-0670. Again, that number is 877-849-0670. Uh, if you prefer uh, different methods of communication, you can also email us at radio at maximumvp.com. You can learn learn more about us and what what we do and what we've done at MaximumVP.com. And if you're into the social media world, you can hit us up on Facebook. I look at Facebook.com forward slash MaximumVP to check us out there as well. 
All right, let's get into our first segment here, which is our, our chance to debunk a common myth. And this is one we come across this myth all the time. And uh, if you're an owner of a company, chances are, whether you verbalize this or not, chances are you've probably thought about it at some point during your ownership of your company. And so the myth here today that we're here to debunk is that transferring the business to your kids is the best exit plan. You really think so, huh, Adam? <laughs> no, no, you're going to debunk that. <clears throat> I'm going to debunk that, but we, it's a... We, we see so many myths in this business, don't we? And, yeah. and deal with them, but uh, yeah, go on. Well, we aren't here to say that that's not necessarily the right thing to do, but it certainly is not always the right thing to do. And there are stats out there, if you look around, to see that about one in three, so one-third of the companies that transfer from one generation to the next successfully, okay? So only one in three make that happen. Now, it's not to say that... Is there a big reason for that? There's a lot of reasons for it, I think. A big one? one? They might just not want it, right? If I list the top five questions here in terms of reasons why that doesn't happen, I think, yeah, one is that it's presumed or assumed that that, that the next generation should just take over. They aren't sure how to say no. I think that's what you're saying, Jack, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, it's always been this way, and it's always been assumed that I'll be the one taking it over or we'll be the ones taking it over so often that's a, a surprise to the to the parents well not really a surprise He's, he or she's been trying to nurture them bring them along and uh in the final analysis they just don't want it no i think most of the times too it's not thought about or talked about until maybe later on you know when you start out you don't necessarily start with the exit in mind you start to to get a company started moving along and perhaps get away from something else. You see opportunities somewhere, but you, again, you're starting the company. You aren't necessarily thinking about how am I eventually going to exit it? But the first thought is usually the, Hey, you know, why not transfer it to the kid or kids or, or cause that's, you know, very simple, you know, you know right in front of you. And, and very often those, those kids are part of the business. Okay. Well, you know, you know, they're actually working there. So from that standpoint, it almost becomes assumed and not only by the ownership, but by the other employees that were there, they almost again assume that well, you know, juniors here or, or, or the daughters here, you know, they're going to be the ones taking things over. So they start to look at that person that way. Even if, to your point, Jack, even if the the, the, the kid doesn't want it, they're being viewed that way. Well, you know, a lot of times uh, small business owners are going to be given advice by their counselors, be it an attorney, professor, and part of their overall plan should have an exit plan to it, and. I think the best exit plan that covers all possible bases is to run a profitable company. You know, that's and, and that gives you the most options. Uh, you know, it, it sounds silly, but you you can peddle it to your kids. You can, if they don't want it, they you can basically sell it to somebody, and your chances of selling it are very high if that company has a string of profits. And you know, we we had somebody an opportunity in our coaching company. A uh, fellow who was uh, uh, coaching about as long as we have, about 15 years, and he was trying to sell his company. And we were about the only person that or people who he could talk to about selling his company. And the reason, even though he was profitable, it was a one-man show. And you limit your opportunities that way, transferring to your kids or transferring to anybody. It's very difficult to sell a company uh, if you haven't been profitable and if 
it's it, it hasn't been developed where it's just not you and your name because that's all that could be sold you and your name it's got to be more than that right so a growing profitable company that can be run without you gives you the most options kids or not i know we're talking about kids but uh yeah, we're just we're trying to debunk that myth out there. It's a very common again. It, it's 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 widely held. I I remember when I first came back from New York, my dad was at, at the point in time he'd been running his company for about twenty five, gone on thirty years, and he's starting to think out for the next ten years or so in terms of what he wanted to do to kind of transition things. And his first thought was my brother or me. Okay, and so he gave us the first option for that. You know, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll check that out first. If that's going to happen, if not, I want to move on to something else. But he was, he was looking out 10 years and hey, I, I realized this is not going to happen tomorrow, especially given the fact that neither my brother nor I were actually working in the company at that point. I was in you know New York city. He was on in San Francisco. So neither of us were here. Um, but you know, in terms of getting the planning down, he wanted to kind of see that we have a, a lot of clients where they've got kids working in the company and it's just presumed. Uh, and it's often not even stated that way. Though. It, it's amazing how, how confusing things can be, okay, not only for, you know, the, 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 the potential heir parents, but also for the kid or for, 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 for the other employees. They aren't quite sure how to take it. And it's a very, it's a very difficult situation for both the heir parent as well as for the employees. Because the, the owner, the, 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 the leadership has to state what, they, what their desire is going to be. Don't assume everybody knows what it's going to be, or that if you had a one-off discussion here or there, that people know what's going on. That's so true. That, that's, that's such a huge communication issue. And we, you know, we've had so many cases over the years where, again, it's and, and the, the person or people being anointed as the heir parents really scares the current employees to death. <laughs> the idea of that person coming in and taking over becomes very difficult, and usually that happens mostly where the situation is that the, the, the heir parent or their parents have only worked in the company, okay, where they don't have other outside real business experience because all they know is how, you know, mom or dad is running the company. That's what they know. They, they, they've seen that. So they assume, well, if that's how they do it. That's how I have to do it. And it shows. It shows so quickly, you know, and, and coming in as we do from the outside, to existing situations, you know, we're introduced to people, we're introduced to the employees. You can see problems quickly, and that's one of the biggest ones. Yeah, it's you know, the, the, it's being able to, to 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 be open and honest about it, and realizing that if you had to to lay out a description or background as far as who would be the right person to kind of take over, you know, what does that person look like? And if 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 the kid or kids don't match, you know, don't fit that bill, okay, well. You can get them trained up over time, but even that might not be the right answer. But not, you know, not putting your head in the sand and pretending like, hey, we'll just let, let things kind of take care of themselves, or or taking off and letting the kids kind of run by themselves. It's not necessarily what's best for the company. And that's, you know, that that really that experience on the outside is so so valuable. You don't realize it until you see a problem like that, and we've seen many. Uh, you know, to to learn learn business from from an objective uh, situation and then you can bring that into your company and that's how you know that's how it works that's how it works best it's rare that somebody can grow up in the company that's the only company they've ever seen and they can take the mantle from the parent and basically run this company successfully very very difficult it does happen again, but it's not. It's not the. It's not the, the typical way. And Jack and I have been involved in all those different situations. We've had clients where, yeah, what he's just talking about, 
is you know is certainly happening. And uh, but keep that in mind as you're, you know, as you're trying to figure out, you know, who, who do I trans- transition the company to? It isn't necessarily going to be the kids unless they're the right people for it. So. All right, stick around. When we come back, we're going to have a chance to dig into our dirty secret of the week. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We're business coaches, and we can help you get unstuck from all those how questions in your business. Stay tuned for more Dirty Secrets of Small Business on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online at WINTradio.com. Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We're business coaches who help owners get unstuck from a state of how. You know, don't you wrestle with all those how questions on your own. We can help. We love helping small business defined as 1 to 25 employees, any industry, any company. We can help you get unstuck. Give us a call. All right, if you have... Uh, myth that you want to kind of throw out there or other stories, you're always welcome to join us here on the show. You can give us a call here in the studio, 440-946-9468. That works as well, even if you aren't listening to us live. We're always here in the studio Mondays from noon to 1 Eastern. So if you're listening to the podcast, feel free to give us a shout then to be able to share your stories. If you don't like to be on the phone or don't want to be on the air, you can always email it to us at radio at MaximumVP.com. We'll take a read through that and it makes some good sense we'll be sure to put it on the air to make sure we can talk about that and answer the questions that way as well mm-hmm. okay all right so it's time for our for our namesake here this is the the dirty secrets of small business show and we're going to start to delve into our dirty secret of the week and this kind of comes off of something that jack was alluding to in the first segment of whether he's doing that in purpose or not i'm not sure but absolutely i was that you know i always look ahead <laughs> that's right it's always planted very well it's, it's, it's a very well-oiled machine here you, right. you can tell and our our uh, dirty secret this week is you can't do it all. You can't do it all. And that kind of has a, what's a double entendre, kind of double meaning for it, right? Um, I guess the first one being that you as the owner can't be doing it all yourself, can't be doing all the work yourself, right? You know, a lot of a lot of owners think they can, though. Well. They, when they think about it, you know, <laughs> they, they just do it and evolve into a, a certain mindset. But they can't do marketing and sales and they can't do all the administrative work themselves in a growing company now if it's just them selling popsicles somewhere or a lemonade stand i think they can do it but uh <clears throat> to define their product and go out and and truly uh develop marketing information to drive sales find the time to do it and then all the administrative aspects of the the company the planning the the, the people part of it uh, you know the accounting. You know, it's just—it's impossible. Quite so, frankly, it's overwhelming deal. as you're talking about all this stuff, right? So how does it? No, I'm, I'm getting but, tired. But, but wait, wait, but it happens, right? So I, it happens because it's, it's an evolution. I don't know that it's a conscious decision. It's starting day one, offering the product or service, and you start to get into the the, the, the other stuff. You know, as we use that word stuff all the time, Jack, and that's all the things that you're just rattling off is a lot of the stuff of business that people don't necessarily think about, but they start to become aware of them one by one as the as the days and months and years go by and as they grow they're used to kind of doing a lot of those things themselves it's the 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 phrase of wearing multiple hats people talk Mm -hmm. about that in terms of a small business so that's i said before it's got has a double meaning one is a meaning of not doing everything all those pieces yourself but also you can't do it all in terms of 
you have a lot of great ideas. And you can't do all those ideas either. You gotta, you gotta, you have to get kind of focused on stuff too, right? So what's the answer? Well, which the one do you want to talk about? Well, you can't. You certainly can't do it all. The question is, you know, that's my point. So I want to make both points. You can't. You can't do. You, you can't do every part of the business yourself, and you can't do everything that that, that you like to do in terms of all the different ideas and you know uh, things you'd like to try, different avenues for revenue, everything else. You can't do all those things at once. You you, you can't do it all. You got to focus on certain things that you're best at, and get other people involved have to if you want to grow okay i would agree i would agree with that that interpretation of it more than kind of running running a, a marathon all by yourself here you know you basically uh yeah you you need people to run a company you need people to be successful it's impossible to do everything yourself you can't get to it you can't master it it's impossible well people will try i think they'll, they'll, get, they'll try to get to the point where they want to Hey, it takes more effort for me to explain to somebody else how to do it. And how how do I now start letting go of stuff? Because we've got people that, that, that have tried to do that. We've got, we have a lot of clients where all of a sudden they'll, hey, I've got people here to, to do this stuff, yet they've got their thumb on them, where they're, where they're trying to manage that's, that's them, so micromanage, common, right? Yeah. Where they don't trust that they're going to get the information that, 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 that they need or that the person's going to do it exactly the way that the owner wants it done. It's going to be a little different. And different isn't necessarily bad. And you may be the best at it, Jack, but you know what? If you're doing 10 things, you're not going to do all 10 the you're best. you spread so thin that you become ineffective. That's right. So again, what's the answer? Find good people is always That's a good right. answer, right? It's the perfect answer. You know, put a little organization plan together. What does that mean? That means literally put, put little boxes on a piece of paper. What do you need to run your company? And once you, you fill those boxes, then you put a name, if you have the organization, you know, and, and people on board, to fill into those names. And if not, you go out and find those good people. Then you can do it all. You can do pretty much whatever you want to do. Yeah, what's helpful with that is, you know, it's, a, it's an exercise we do with most of our clients pretty early on, which is getting that functional org chart pull, pulled together in terms of what's being done before we put names in the boxes. Many folks will start putting just putting names down in terms of who's who's there, and what that misses is all the stuff that's going on that, that people are doing. Whereas instead, if you look at the different roles that are being done, the different functions that are going on as part of the organization, you start to realize where the needs are. You know, so if you're going to hire, you know, if you're going to hire your next person, who is that person, and what's that person going to do? It can often be very confusing or, or pretty overwhelming to start there. But the, the idea is try to identify what roles do you want to start to let, kind of let go of or start to bring somebody in. And maybe it's only on a part-time basis. That's a hard exercise to do. You know, it's probably one of the hardest to really identify everything going on in the company. So here you've been in business for a year, two years, and you're getting sales, you're getting profits, you're paying bills, you're doing all this kind of stuff. But you've never thought about who does what things just somehow get done uh, until you go through an exercise like that. And if you do it successfully, that's when the company will start to thrive because you're going to get the right people. You know how to direct them. You know what they should be doing because it's been identified and organized. Thus the organizational plan. Well, part of part of what gets organized as part of that or identifies part of that plan. Maybe, maybe identifies a better word. You realize that there are certain things that maybe are not getting done the way they should be getting done. And that in and of itself starts to create other problems. So again, there's only 24 hours in the day, and if you're the one trying to do everything, there's only one of you. 
So things are going to fall by the wayside or things that should be, be done every day, every week, maybe are getting done every month instead of every week. And so things aren't running the way that they should. So start to identify those and highlight those things in terms of, hey, if we had somebody doing this, boy, that would get rid of all the problems in terms of what's going on. Or that would certainly, you know, because everything's interconnected. Everything's so really, tied together. So you really can't do it all, huh? No superhero. So you can't do it all from, from those day-to-day stuff, too. But also, let me, let me you, know, you know, go back to the second point, too, which is trying to do all the things at once. And we had, a, we had a client years ago when it was first starting out, had 18 different lines of revenue that he wanted to pursue. And we made him focus. We made him focus on only three. We said, put those other 15 aside. We'll get to those. Trust me, you know, over the course of your business life, you'll have time to get to those plus the other 20 ideas you're going to have in the next, next couple of years. The key word is trust. Yeah. yeah. So put those things aside. Because you, you you can only focus on so many things at once, especially when you're early on, or if you're trying to launch something new. You, you, it's easy to get excited about that new thing and forget about the base that's there. And make sure that, that that base is taken care of well, so you can move on to get to other things. We've seen that you know through, through that. Other clients have tried to grow pretty quickly by acquiring different companies, and they start to kind of grow and and things get kind of get, you know get kind of out of control at times. So there's a lot of things you got to make sure you can do in terms of not doing it all. You can't do every activity by yourself, but you can't do everything that you want right now either. You have to stress that org chart. The org chart is such a valuable tool. It's almost impossible to run a small business without having that visual in your mind. Because people become a blur, and you really don't keep them in perspective like you should. That's right. You become that hamster on the wheel running around and around and around. It's the same every day. So that's, that's right. a great way to get out of it. Not not forcing yourself to do everything by yourself or doing it all is a great thing to do. So, all right, stick around. When we come back, we're going to get a chance to, to, to delve into Jack's brain to see what he's been pondering in terms of our how come part of our show. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. As we've been saying, we're business coaches and we help small business owners like you get unstuck and you know who we are you know we can help you get unstuck from that state of calm welcome back to dirty secrets of small business i'm adam sonholt mvp most valuable player business coaches and we help owners of get unstuck a state of how. Once you wrestle with all those how questions, and they come up all the time during the day, you know, you as the business owner should have all the answers to those how questions, but we know you don't. Uh, we are a great help. We've had great help helping small businesses get unstuck from that state of how. That's right. A lot of help there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll help you over here. All right. So we're getting to that point of our show, too, for our how come segment, which is kind of digging into Jack's brain with some how questions he's got. If you have some hot questions that you want to share with us, please feel free to give us a call here in the studio. The number is 440-946-9468. That's 440-946-WINT. Uh, for those of you listening on the podcast, we're here on Mondays from noon to 1 Eastern. So even if you aren't listening live, you can also uh, give us a call in here in the studio. I'd be happy to take your phone call. Mm-hmm. All right, so... Jack, we're at the point now we're talking about the, the how come part of our show where you have something you've been pondering for the, the last week or so that you want to throw out there and we'll see how it kind of interacts and connects with, with small business. Yeah, yeah, it has been. It's actually been more than a week. It's been a while. All right. This one. So, uh, okay, how come politicians always say they are going to create jobs? What do they know generally about 
about that, you know, about creating jobs. How do they know how to do that? Uh, where did that Where did that divine intervention come from? Creating jobs are a pretty tough thing to do. Sure it is. They they they, they come in with the, the a magic bag of fairy dust that they spr- sprinkle around, right? That says here here's here's the job fairy dust. Is that how it works, Jack? Something like that. You okay. know, it's uh, uh, that's usually what. <laughs> What, what or it's a magic wand, I don't know, something. Those fairy dust on the ground. They click their heels and wiggle it, I don't know, something. <laughs> well, I was reading an article, I it, I was so taken by it that I'm going to read much of it before we, it, it'll frame a little bit of a discussion here. All right. And it's, guy, it's by a guy named Brian Dean Wright. He's an ex-CIA operative, and he was writing for the Los Angeles Times. And he basically, he was talking about the next industrial revolution and how it's claiming its first victims now, and he kind of uh, provokes a lot of thought in terms of jobs as we know it are really going away. We've sensed it, but when politicians keep saying, hey, vote for me, I'm going to create jobs, and we talk about yesterday, which is what most people do, you really don't ponder the future very much. And this guy, I think, did a pretty good uh, job of, of certainly provoking it in my mind. I'm going to read a little bit of stuff, maybe a little lot of stuff. All right, so we've got story time with Jack. A little bit of story time here. So he talks about a viral video released in February showed Boston Dynamics, new bipedal robot. So they introduced a robot in in February here. It's named Atlas. And it was performing human-like tasks, opening doors, uh, tromping about in the snow, lifting and stacking boxes. Tech geeks cheered, and Silicon Valley investors salivated at the potential to end human manual labor. And we've heard stories. We've seen robots do stuff. But we don't see it in mass unless you see versions of it on a factory floor once in a while. So shortly thereafter, after this episode here with Atlas, White House economists released a a forecast that calculated more precisely whom Atlas and other forms of automation are going to put out of work. Most occupations that pay less than 20 bucks an hour are likely to be, in the words of the report, this is from the White House, automated into obsolescence. In other words, the so-called Fourth Industrial Revolution has found its first victims, blue-collar workers and the poor. I think we all had a sense of that to some degree. Okay, but he goes on. The general response in working America is a disbelief or outright denial. People are in denial here. A recent Pew Research Center survey found that 80% of Americans think their job will still exist in 50 years. And only 11% of today's workers were worried about losing their job to automation. So 50 years, we're still going to be doing the same stuff. Isn't that almost unbelievable when you stop hard and think about it? Well, nobody thinks in terms of 50 years, so that's a, kind of a bogus question to ask somebody, isn't it? Well, you've got to think ahead. Things are going to end, even us, one of these days. So, Well, i got to think about it. I, yeah, my point is most people don't think that way. So if you're asking somebody that question, they're going to say, well, no, of course my job will still be here, right? But they haven't thought about it, so you just ask them the question, and they aren't thinking too deeply about it at that point either, I don't think. That's right. I would agree with that. So like his former CIA agent buddies, they insist their specialized skill and knowledge can't be replaced by artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. That is, until they set, you know, they see plans for autonomous drones that don't require human hand and automated imagery analysis that outperforms the human eyes. And as we, and I like futuristic stuff, when you put your head into it, it's absolutely amazing the world ahead of us. 
and this is in Star Trek worlds, it's worlds within our grasp, a generation, 20 years or so. Human workers of all stripes pound the table claiming desperately that they're irreplaceable. Bus drivers, bartenders, financial advisors, speechwriters, firefighters, umpires, even doctors and surgeons. Meanwhile, corporations are spending billions on robots and artificial intelligence towards making all those jobs replaceable. But why? Why are corporations doing that? Why do you think they're doing that, Adam? Well, I'll answer my own question. I can see you're ready to answer if I Go right ahead. you off with it. Okay, That's because a rhetorical robots, question. Robots and... Yes. Yes, it is. Because robots and, and computers don't need health care, pensions, vacation days, or even salaries. They don't need political correctness, and they don't need the, the difficulty in the workforce. <laughs> they don't need it. They just work. They do what you want it to do. Powerhouse consultancies like McKinsey's forecast 45% of today's workplace could be done by robots, artificial intelligence, or some other already demonstrated technology. Okay, deniers of the scope and scale of this looming economic upheaval point hopefully to retraining programs. Are you kidding me? Especially government-sponsored what, retraining to re- programs? To retrain people to do what? To turn into robots? <laughs> Is that what they're going to train well, them to do? that's what they're saying. Hey, there's retraining programs here that I could take. They can retraining fix robots. To do what? Fix. Well, that's right. They say, basically, uh, you know, people who, who we're going to need people to build and service these machines, even though... Right now, engineers are focused on developing robots that fix themselves or each other. Oh, Sam, I'm thinking of the movie Terminator, Jack, in 1984, Perfect. I believe, yeah. right? And so here he was, he fixed himself, right? He got shot, here it is, he's, he's in the mirror plucking his eye out, and you know, just he's adjusting himself, right? That's right. <laughs> so, a little stuff. <laughs> right. So can't they fix themselves and build themselves and build each other? Sure they can. And that's they have what a robot doing. factory building robots? It's like having in, 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 uh, in Austin Powers. I, we, have, we have a factory that builds miniatures of little factories that we're talking about. <laughs> So, Sorry, go so ahead. Retraining to build robots that, that robots can be retrained to build better than themselves for less hassle seems to be the way things are going to go. Now, is that a robot or robot? Ro- <laughs> TTs, <laughs> robot. Right. I know That's it's one right. of your favorite words. That's uh-huh. all right. <laughs> okay, they believe these are the deniers that such shifts, like to your point before, are many decades away, even as noted futurist Ray Cruz Wheel. And he's Google's director of engineering. He's got a pretty, it's got to be way out there mind, don't you think? Sure. So, old Ray says, uh, artificial intelligence will equal human intelligence by 2029. So, this is 16 plus uh, 29. That's 13 years from now. That's right. And he's a guy who's on the line right now doing this stuff with one of the biggest, smartest corporations in the world. So, the deniers are digging deeper into the sand. So they talk about new jobs, and and they're going, you know, they're they're assuming they're going to be created during this fourth revolution, but ain't going to happen. You know, the World Economic Forum calculated the technological changes underway probably will destroy, destroy seven million jobs worldwide by night or by 2020, with only two million being replaced. So he goes on, but the whole gist of this, I'm not going to go on with this, but the whole gist of this is that. What are we going to do, you know, with, with future? What, what do we do to get people income? And how do you make income with jobs being lost at a rate three times as fast as they're being created? And the training, nobody knows quite how to train. And people working on robots are the smartest people. Robots. <laughs> now you got me going. 
So he, he's suggesting all this personally. He's finding a way to fund this and and look at our personal data uh, that we give to Google and treat it like a raw material mining mining uh, a mineral somewhere or Alaska paying everybody uh, for for the oil bounty that they have. And he's basically saying that you know they're they're debating what what will the world be right now without work. So that's a long way of going to the point of asking that question here. What is the world without work? And we're coming up to it probably within certainly the next 50 years, but I would say from these experts, 25, 30 years if, if uh, the technology is there and if the technology stays harnessed and focused, it's going to happen. So, so you're recommending the politicians stop talking about how they're going to create jobs since well, they aren't going to exist, and I, that's a big. You know, that's a question that that that, that 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 owners never ask about. Owners never ask that question. How do I create more jobs? Well, we we basically, and I'm gonna I'm gonna really throw this out because we can talk about this again sometime. I'd like to do that. But we at MVP feel the solution isn't creating another fund, although that might be part of it. But hey, if everybody knew how to start a company. And all they need to do is take their brain and find an idea and start and run a company successfully. That would go a long way to solving a lot of these problems. And we've been advocating that for quite a while. But we're going to talk more about that down the line. Not today, though. All right, that's good. So start thinking as an owner, too, in terms of your current company. How's that going to be different, to, to Jack's point here, in the next decade plus, where those jobs might, might disappear or change tremendously with a robot or artificial intelligence? So it's good things to be thinking about. Correct, though. All right, stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to talk about how do you accelerate your growth. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We're business coaches. And give us a call. Contact us. You've got the ways to do that, and we can help you get unstuck from that state of how. We love small business owners, and we love doing that stuff. Stay tuned for more Dirty Secrets of Small Business on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online at com. Pat O'Brien Chevrolet is the best place to buy your new Camaro or Corvette, and the best time to buy is right now. We have over a hundred to choose from with the biggest rebates and discounts of the year. Save time and money. We got them. Come get them at Pat O'Brien Chevrolet. A recent article on the Sleep Geek blog states, Brand and store loyalty, especially with younger shoppers, is very low. Mattresses are viewed as a commodity to be purchased during national holidays when they are at quote-unquote huge markdowns. And internet campaigns create buzz instead of focusing on the actual product quality. This is Robin Trusinski, and while these may be the overarching trends, they are not without exception. The original mattress factory exists to build a better bed. Our brand has a loyal customer base, over half of which are repeat customers. We view mattresses not as commodities, but as products essential to your overall health and well-being. We know that the huge markdown sales don't really exist, and focus instead on providing real value by offering quality products at factory direct prices to every customer every day. We are also committed to offering the best service with an expert sales staff that can provide you with more knowledge than any other mattress store. So stop by today and experience an original. 
the original mattress factory. Average sports fan ponders his evening. Wow, tonight is a big night for sports on TV, but small choices in my fridge. What about Players Club at Lost Nation Sports Park? The Players Club has big energy, but small, cozy atmosphere. Big TVs, small drive. Big happy hour, small prices. Big parking lot, small hassle. Awesome burgers, big salad, lots of appetizers. Okay, that's it. I'm going tonight. The Players Club at Lost Nation Sports Park. Yeah, it's a big deal. Small wonder. Hi, it's Steve. Join Linda and me at 7 a.m. with Shelby Alinsky, National Geographic Kids Editor, exploring their new book, How Things Work. Anthony Kovic is a disaster preparation expert with survival tips for winter. Plus Bill Lyle from Atlas Cinemas on Integrity Radio, WINT, 101.5 FM and 1330 AM. Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP. We're business coaches, and we help owners of small companies defined as 1 to 25 employees get unstuck from the state of how. You know, we love helping small business owners. We really do. We're very particular who we work with, and because of that, we're very successful with the ones we do choose to work with. We have a lot of fun. And we are successful, and we define that as growing sustainable profits. All right, so we're at the point now we're going to share a uh, success story with one of our clients. And uh, the, the, the focus here in terms of our hows is how do I accelerate my growth? And I'm sure many of you can relate out there as you've been grinding away for whether it be years or decades, and all of a sudden you find something that starts to work pretty well. How do you start to accelerate that and really take advantage of it? And that's what happened with, with a client of ours. And when Jack mentioned before about our markets being small businesses and small business owners, it's really the, the companies that are small that we're talking about. The owners comes in all different shapes and sizes, but the small companies we're talking about are anywhere from 1 to 25 employees. That's our typical, our typical client. And we help coach them through our seven keys to, to success, which, as Jack said, is geared towards helping them have uh, growing and sustainable profits. If you take a look at our website, MaximumVP.com, there's a... a, a, a what do you call it? Not a link, but a uh, a menu item. A little drop-down item. Drop-down item. Thank that, you. Yes. It's called MV, the, the MVP Playbook. And within that, you have the graphic of a seven keys to success. That's yeah. a good graphic, too. That was uh, well done. Well, it's helpful to keep <laughs> it in front of you. on your wall. It's so. a good visual. You know, much like we, we, we mentioned before, having, having an org chart out there is a, is a, a good visual for you as well. But the, the, the three that were key here... Um, for our client was presenting, which is the seventh key, the profit plan, which is the second key, and then the fourth key being the organization plan. So this client of ours was, was, had been grinding away for about a decade and finally found a model that started to work pretty well. And it was a model that went from having to be the one uh, opening up his own locations to, to, to start to expand. He tried that a few times and was kind of tough to not only get the next you know location set up and equipped and start to make a you know make a name for themselves in that market, to where they found where they're able to to tap into already existing uh, resources that, that that were there, and worked pretty well. Where they had a built-in market, where they had already made an investment and stuff, and really the services that our client was providing were absolutely perfect for this. Now the challenge was how do you start to kind of grow this? Because we got the model down, the model's working very well. Things that we were excited about was that it was a, a variable cost model. What that means was he wasn't doling out a bunch of money in terms of overhead, in terms of you know, the variable, facility. Variable cost models are 
by far the best when you can get them, for right. sure. And variable, what we mean by that is if you don't have dollars coming in for revenue, you don't have costs related to it. Okay, so versus for the original model he's trying was to open up a new location, equip right, that, that location. Would, that would be like paying a commission salesman. Right? Okay, that's a great. That's a great. It's a great analogy. So if, he sells an, if he sells nothing, you don't pay him anything. Right. Wonderful. If he sells, you gladly pay him a nice commission. So for those of you who know, when you have a facility, when you have, you know, you have rent to pay every month, you've got utility bills, you've got phone bills, you have security, you have things that break, you have just all kinds of stuff that goes on with the facility, right? You have to equip that facility so that there's certain dollar costs that go out before you have dollar one coming in. And no matter if you have a lot of money coming in or not, the, those month to month expenses still, you know, are still there. So between that and then finding the right people to start to kind of grow. So he, again, he found this model where he was able to tap into existing resources that, that were already there in terms of facilities, in terms of the markets that, that, that were created. And what they needed was a service that our, that our client was providing. So he found this actually in, in one of the areas where he, he'd already set up a location, closed that location down, and moved everything over to this, this other facility. And he was all excited about it because, hey, this is a great model to kind of grow. The challenge was, coming back to our earlier comment about doing it all yourself, well, he was very famous for trying to do everything himself to a certain extent. Everything. And then, you know, that, that's the way he grew up. And he, he was he, he was working 20-hour days and trying to do it all, not experienced in doing much of it, learning as he went. That's a very expensive way to, to uh, gather information. But, you know, with hard work and perseverance, he at least uh, was able to keep his head above water. Make a little profit, but not a lot of profit. So it's often the case, you know, when we're meeting week to week, we talk about a lot of things, and sometimes our clients are not ready to quite hear what, what we're talking about. But eventually, it starts to kind of sink in for for, for many of them. And for this client, that was a, that, that, that was the message of having to find good people. We talked about it for a while, and you know, part of what was ingrained in his nature was being a little, I don't know, is cheap the right word? Frugal? Cheap's I don't know. The right yeah, word. cheap's yeah. probably the right word yeah. for him, right? And trying to get them to see, you know, stop thinking about pennies and start thinking about dollars and, you know, bigger, you know, bigger items. And so making an investment in some good people was, a, you know, was a key for him. And so. But that was so foreign. That was one of the hardest decisions he ever had to make in his life. That first move of a good person. Now we can't keep him quiet. Well, one of the, yeah, one of the challenges too, and one of the benefits of, that we have with, you know, being the two of us, you know, for those of you who know us and for those of you who are clients of ours kind of have a sense for, for Jack and, and my style, you know, believe it or not, I'm usually the good cop and Jack's usually the bad cop kind of approach, right? Who would we're, have ever guessed? We're going to be more admonishing of people and everything else. Well, <laughs> in this case, the, 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 the admonishments of Jack didn't go, you know, they, they're kind of falling on deaf ears to a certain extent. So a couple years back, I took that role on instead. And it really hit home. I mean, to the point where this client was almost in tears. You know, it wasn't, I think it was more that he was kind of caught off guard by it. Because we saw so much more potential in him than he was letting out. And he said, look, we're getting to the point now where we, we keep telling the same things over and over again. You have to bring these good people in or, and stop talking about all these little you know, excuses as far as why you're not making it happen. So this opportunity is right here for you for, you know, for, for the taking. We've got to stop having the same kind of discussions or, or, or we aren't going to get where we need to go. And so it really hit home with them. You know, you know, it, it took him a couple of days to kind of to, to kind of sink it in. He called back saying, you know, I, I, I heard what you're saying, and, I, and I'm ready to kind of make this next step. And it was about a year ago he, he, he made that plunge in hiring a really good person with the idea that he wasn't going to be able to see them um, paying for themselves right away. 
right? In terms of being able to produce enough to, to, to pay for the, themselves. That's the hardest. That's the hardest part, I think. Not being able to lay out a $10 bill and see instant results for it. That's the hardest for people going through this transition. We've seen it time and again. So as we were starting to help them see, and you know, with the use of the profit plan, forecasting things out to see the potential revenue that was going to be there that would help for this person to pay for themselves relatively quickly, but in the short term had to make an investment that would help make this thing start to happen. And again, the, the key focus here is starting to kind of grow these these additional areas where you have, you know, you have locations that were set up that they can go tap into and provide a very very good service for them. But again, there's only so many hours in the day. And there was only the, the you know for for our case this one owner, and so the key was trying to find this right person. So uh, about a year ago, he found the right person. And he, you know, he, he was looking for a little while trying to find that right person, trying to you know, fit people into that, but didn't quite have the right person. And the time he worked out it was actually a person that he had known for a while, which is often the case. It's a matter of timing, quite often, for our, you know whether it be in our personal life or well, business life. Yeah, it's timing. It's in, and in his case, in many cases, it's when the knowledge. That's been presented time after time after time after time finally resonates. It finally sinks in. When you start to see that person, once you know what you're looking for, it's amazing how that person starts to appear right in front of you, right? And so for him, it 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 was absolutely the case. This person is somebody he'd known for a while and just hadn't really noticed that that was the right person for what he was looking for. And so that person was right there for him. Brought on board, and wouldn't you know it, within the last year, within the last year alone, they brought on four more locations with with double that at least potentially coming up for next year. Yeah, and be, you know, having this one good person has been good. Now we're at the point now where it's okay. Let's make sure we we, we we grow in the right way. But there's tremendous ability to have it happen, and the confidence to you know to to, to your point earlier, Jack. The confidence he now has, and the ability to make this thing start to happen is is growing further. He's seeing the fruits of kind of letting go a little bit, bringing those good people on board to help this thing really start to take off and grow in ways that he maybe thought you know, weren't even possible before because he's putting it all on his own shoulders. And we, we get tremendous satisfaction, tremendous satisfaction when we see our clients go through those transitions like that. And now they're on the road to, to growth that they thought they could do but never knew how to do it. Excellent. Well, we thank you for being a part of today's show again and joining us on Dirty Secrets of Small Business. You're invited to join us every Monday at noon Eastern. If you have a question in between, uh, shoot us an email at radio at MaximumVP.com or give us a call, 877-849-0670. You know, at Maximum Value Partners, we work hard to build long-term relationships, and we, we do it. We do it in a number of ways. And because of that, because of that, we're we're truly valued advisors not just cold words and we have a lot of fun and we've had a great deal of success with our clients in case you missed this show or any part of it you can check us out on itunes at our podcast and leave us a review when you're there hey we'll see you next week on dirty secrets of small business thanks for joining us